talking and I'm not and I'm just <laughs> And then I'm talking <laughs> No, but wait, wait, I have something for him. Boom, you get shot down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. Concentrate on the news. It's what we do. Wow. <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong with my kids. <laughs> that sad ass hot dog. I miss that sad hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. I am your host, Moses Sorry, and with me to my left is Hachi. Yes. With me to my right is my brother, Josh. Dude, that was a very sad fucking hot dog that you just ate earlier. It was, bro. It was dry as fuck. It, it was It, was, it rink- was sad. It was wrinkly. It was. It was a very wrinkly hot dog. So, hey, we offered condiments, and you're like, nah. I was wondering. It wasn't going to make it any better. I was wondering why the dude only charged me like 35 cents for it. I was like, all right, <laughs> That's crazy. So no, really wants no, a hot dog. Note right. yourself, don't don't buy hot dogs from uh, Char- a Chevron gas station. Chevron gas station. If it's not AMP, well, do they have AMPM? Who owns AMPM? The Chevron. I don't know, but they're out there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't you know didn't. You didn't get an AMPM hot dog. I, I did it. Obviously, those, those are like five stars. Like AMPM hot dogs, fire. But speaking of fire. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about a bunch of weird and mysterious peoples, people, and individual, just yeah. a bunch of yeah. weird, like, weirdos th- just sprinkled throughout history. You know what I mean? There's just like people here like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, what the f- like, what the, f- what the fuck? We're, you know, we're going to be talking about fucking weird pilots, weird doubles, weird alchemists. Just, just, this episode's all it's over weird. the place. It's all over the place, yet it's like one time. Tied up together. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. All right. To we'll start off our weird segment, we're going to talk about weird disappearances. Oh. And not just like fucking magician, like now you see me, now you don't shit. But like all of a sudden, whatever, you know, they, they go through some shit, try to find these motherfuckers, and just there's no fucking trace. They ghost. They ghost. Patrick Swayze. like, yeah, Patrick Swayze, I'm out. All right. I? And the first is uh, apparently a very famous um, FBI case. And it's one of the top FBI cases still, okay. even though they closed it, is uh, this, the D.B. Cooper hijack. Speaking of D.B. Cooper, have you seen the Loki trailer? No, I haven't. I love that they incorporated the D.B. Cooper case in the Loki trailer. What? Loki, he's on Earth and he's DB Cooper. And the reason why he what the reason why he disappears because as he jumps out of the airplane, they they call him from Valhalla, so they ship him out. And the only thing that's missing is just the money. What, bro? They got. Uh, let me let me <laughs> let me modify my research right now. Does that make, but yeah, but yeah, you're right. DB Cooper is one of those like, what the what what like, bro? Like we all saw him. We know he was alive, but what happened to him? And so on the afternoon of November 24th of 1971, a nondescript man calling himself by the name of Dan Cooper approached the counter of the Northwest Orient Airlines in Portland, Oregon. Woohoo, Oregon. He used a cash to buy a one-on-one ticket or one-way ticket to flight number 305 bound to Seattle, Washington. And thus began one of the great unsolved mysteries in FBI history. 
How far is Oregon from Seattle? It's not that far. So I was, right now I was like, why, why are you buying the plane, bro? But that's his escape. Anyway, his, go on, go on. Yeah. So Cooper was a quiet man, and he appeared to be in his mid-40s, wearing a business suit with the black tie and a white shirt. He ordered a drink, and apparently this is like one of the most known facts. I don't know why it's so important, but I guess it's an FBI case, so they got to know every fucking detail. His drink was bourbon and soda. Sounds gross. While the flight was waiting to take <laughs> off. He's a bourbon guy. He's a bourbon dude. And so, short time after 3 p.m., he handed the stewardess a note indicating that he had a bomb in his briefcase. And he wanted her to sit right here next to him. Uh, the, the stunned stewardess did as she was told. But w- the funny thing about this is that when she handed him the note the first time, she just said, oh, okay. And just walked away. She thought it was like a number or something. She's like, yeah, this motherfucker's just trying to pick up. I'm going to just be nice and polite because, you know, he's going to be in this. I can't just fucking escape this dude. He's, we're in the same plane. Imagine the, imagine the dude's first reaction. He gives her the note, says, I have a bomb, gives it to her. She yeah. walks away. He's like, the fuck? He's like waiting for her. Like, she she think I'm bluffing? <laughs> I'll blow this shit up real quick. And so he he, he basically let her know, like, uh, you might want to check the note. Hey, yo, bitch! <laughs> you gotta read the note! And so, she finally fucking saw what it was and freaked the fuck out, but obviously they didn't want to make a fucking whole scene. It didn't say how long it took her to read the note? No. It just, like, let her know, like, just read the note. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> and she's like, all right, fine. Uh-huh. He has to be with Facebook, like, slide on the table. You just flicking paper. <laughs> That's the cue. And so after she found out, uh, she sat right down next to him, and he opened up his... Uh, Zipper. His suitcase. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Cooper showed her... It was ready to explode. A glimpse of a mass of wires and red color sticks and demanded that she write down what he told her. Okay. Soon, she was walking with a new note to the captain of the plane that demanded... Uh, to give him a total of four parachutes and two hundred thousand dollars. Oh, so he didn't have the money in the plane? No. Oh, I didn't know this. Sorry, go on. But for whatever reason, he demanded them to be in twenty-dollar bills. Yeah, because it's easier to spend. That, or maybe like the hundreds are usually like the ones that they like give like fake money or something like that. Well, the thing is. If you give a hundred, if you steal a bunch of, if you steal a bunch of hundreds, I mean, you steal a bunch of money and they're all hundreds, it's a more, it's like the chance you're going to get caught because every time you give a hundred to someone, they always have to check it in the light. That's true. So if there's a bunch of numbers, something, you know what I mean? So it's just easier to get a bunch of twenties or fives. Mm-hmm. You don't want to take fives or ones though, because then you're going to be taking a shitload of bills. Twenties, twenties and fifties are your best bet. Right, right. I heard. That makes sense. Good to know. Good to I heard. You sound like you're talking I about experience. So then when the flight landed in Seattle. The hijacker exchanged the, the flight's 36 passengers for the money and, of course, the parachutes. Cooper kept several crew members and the plane took off again in order to set course to Mexico City. Somewhere between Seattle and Reno, a little after 8 p.m., the hijacker did the incredible, which is he jumped out of the back of the plane with the parachute and his money. The pilots landed safely, but Cooper disappeared into the night, and the ultimate fate remains a mystery till this day. 
The FBI uh, learned a lot from the crime in flight and immediately opened the extensive investigation that lasted many fucking years. Calling it Norjack for Northwest Hijacking, uh, they interviewed hundreds of people, tracked leads all across the nation, and then uh, sourced the aircraft for evidence. By the five-year anniversary of the hijacking, they considered more than 800 suspects and eliminated all but 2,000 two dozen of them for consideration. One person that stuck out like a sore thumb was a person by the name of Richard Floyd McCoy. And it is still their most top suspect till this day. They tracked down and arrested McCoy uh, because he actually did a similar hijacking and escape by parachute less than five months um, after Cooper's flight. So this was after the fact that, um, that Cooper did the, the hijack. Mm. But McCoy was later ruled out because he didn't match the nearly identical physical des descriptions of Cooper provided by two the two flight attendants that were there. Perhaps Cooper didn't survive the jump from the plane. And after all, the parachutes he used uh, couldn't be steered. Um, one of the uh, let me see, uh, CIA agents uh, exclaimed that... Um, they thought he was a like an actual professional, like freaking parachute glider or whatever. Okay, like skydiver type, like skydiver type yeah, of thing. Yeah. Because like, yeah. how, why the fuck would you want to go this far if, unless you're a fucking professional, you know your shit. Not, and they kind of debunked that because when they're taking a look at um, what he actually got, they gave him not four parachutes but actually two. And one of them was actually a training shoot, meaning it was completely sewn shut. It was not usable at all. It was literally for training purposes. So they just, he just got a dud for one of his parachutes. And the second one was uh, a military shoot. And it's like one of those, basically like when you think about those army men that you throw up in the air, yeah. Yeah. like those old school shoots, it was one of those. So you literally just like, once it, it pops open, you can't steer. It just... You just let gravity or the air fucking yeah you land point. wherever it takes exactly, you exactly exactly and not only that um once he he deployed and you know we, he went out of the plane it was completely fucking dark couldn't see shit as a matter of fact it was like there was very 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 low visibility and fucking they couldn't see past like until they got like 5,000 feet Right before the ground. So, couldn't see shit. Darkness. Fucking yeah. dark. It was freaking... The, the, the winds were reaching 200 miles an hour. And not only that, my dude was wearing fucking a trench coat and some loafers. Oh, he's falling with style. He was falling with fucking he's style. Flying, falling with style. So, they're like, there's no fucking way this dude survived. At all. But where's the body? And that's the thing. Like... Let's say he freaking did that, right? But, oh, again, they couldn't find the body. Or they he, never found any of the shoots, right? They didn't find any of the shoots. The only thing that, that they found was what was left in the airplane, which I think was like a tie, uh, a necktie. And that's about it. But everything else, like as long as the money, everything, they couldn't find a trace of that. And they kind of like anticipated where he actually... Um, could have landed where he could have landed and it was just like a big foresty area yeah they scavenged through the whole area and it's fine dick they didn't find dick they didn't find dick 
to, re- to reference fucking Moses over here. That is a story of D.B. Cooper. Yeah, I I think throughout, I think there's this one, remember, uh, Pawn Stars, this dude took, uh, he had a dollar, he had a dollar bill that he tried to sell, sell to them. Yeah. That, yeah. It, that it was part of the D.B. Cooper's yeah. money. And then like, well, how do you know it's D.B. Cooper? He's like, because cause the, no, the serial number on the dollar bill was one of the was one of the tracks, the dollar bills that they gave D.B. Cooper. Yeah. He's like, well, how'd you get it? And he said that uh, a few dollar bills were there to this day. They're still found in like, r- like embedded in like rocks and things. Mm-hmm. So like maybe when he landed, some fell or maybe he yeah. just threw money. Just, just, yeah, just threw money just to throw people off and shit. Yeah. But yeah. But to this day, there's never been a, I don't think they've ever found a parachute, a body or shoes any, any his nothing, loafers nothing. his trench coat nah. there's there are people saying like oh that's a wooded area maybe maybe he did fall or something and bears ate him yeah but then well then where's the shoot like bears don't eat everything they just eat yeah. what they want and they just book yeah. it yeah yeah so that yeah but again like it's fucking it's a fbi case it's close it's close it's forever it's close it, right? it's close but they're obvious they, they said they're willing to fucking open it if they find anything else but like till this point like that nothing new has surfaced they went from db cooper to gg cooper they fucking gg gg and then my final uh person for my segment of fucking weird disappearances is none other than the famous amelia Earhart. god damn bro this this fucking lady bro there's, there's stories Fuck yeah, we Fuck. could. You could. You can never. I mean, I'm not saying that like negatively. I'm just saying like, uh-huh. I like her story. I like. There's so many fucking conspiracy yeah. theories, but they oh, really yeah. are hard. Mm-hmm. You you go from fucking Atlantis to aliens with yep. her. Yep. But go on. And so Amelia uh, Earhart actually never reached her 40th birthday. She became a world rec- uh, record-breaking female aviator whose international fame improved public acceptance of aviation and paved the way for women in commercial life. And so, Amelia Earhart was born in July 24th of 1897 in Atchison, Kansas, uh, to Amy Otis Earhart and Edward Stanton Earhart. Followed in 1899 with her sister Muriel. The family moved from Kansas to Iowa to Minnesota to Illinois, where Earhart graduated from high school. During World War I, she left college to work at a Canadian military hospital where she met aviators and became intrigued with flying. After the war, uh, Earhart completed a semester of Columbia University, then the University of Southern California, with her first plane ride in 1920. And she then realized that her true passion and uh, began taking flying lessons with a female aviator, Nita Snook. On her 25th uh, birthday, Earhart purchased a Kinner Airstar biplane. She flew it, and in, in 1922, uh, when she set the woman's altitude record of 14,000 feet, with with faltering family finances, uh, she soon sold the plane. When her parents divorced in 1924, Earhart moved with her mother and sister to Massachusetts and became a settlement worker in the uh, Denison House in Boston where she was uh, while she was flying in air shows. I was like, I guess her side game. Just air shows? Yeah. Uh, Earhart's life changed dramatically in 1928 when publisher George Putnam, seeking to expand on public enthusiasm for Charles Lindenberg's, uh, Lindbergh's 
uh, transcontinental flight a year earlier, tapped Earhart to become the first woman to cross the Atlantic by plane. And she actually succeeded, albeit as a passenger. But when the flight from Newfoundland landed in Wells in June 17 of 1928, Earhart became a media sensation and symbol of what women could achieve. Putnam remained her promoter, uh, publishing her two books called uh, 20 Hours and 40 Minutes and The Fun of It. Earhart married Putnam in 1931, and then she retained her maiden's name and considered marriage as an equal partnership. Earhart's popularity, popularity brought opportunities for short-lived fashion business as a uh, stint as an aviation editor of Cosmopolitan. It was also brought financing for subsequent world-breaking world record-breaking flights uh, in speed and distance. And in 1932, she became the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic as a pilot. Her awards included the American Distinguished Flying Cross and the Cross of French Legions in honor. In 1929, Earhart found, helped found, find the 99s, an organization of female aviators. And in 1935, Purdue University hired Earhart and as an aviation a advisor and career counselor for women and purchased the Lockley plane that she dubbed the Flying Laboratory. And on June 1st of 1937, she left Miami with navigator Fred Noonan, seeking to become the first woman to fly around the world. With 7,000 miles remaining, the plane lost radio contact near Howland Islands, and it was never found despite an extensive search that continued for decades. To this day. To this fucking day. To this day they're looking for her. So basically, very steam pilot, right? She had a, a, a very well-off career for herself and just loved flying and loved basically pushing the envelope of what women aviators can accomplish. Yeah. Right? And so... Here is where the mystery begins. One of the theories about uh, Amelia Earhart's disappearance is that um, state that Earhart landed in an island called uh, Nikumaroro, just south of Howland Island, where basically um, the area where uh, her disappearance occurred. And a British colonial, uh, British colonel officer by the name of Gerald Gallagher found that the remain found that there were remains of a campsite along with a box of a sixth tent, which was basically a tool that was used to measure latitude and longitude. He also then found skull and bones around that campsite, that, you know, uh, left campsite. It was taken by a physician and analyzed to see if, well, are these bones, do they belong to the, the, the pilots? And found out that apparently they belonged to a man who was short and stocky and of European descent. And so they basically ruled out that it was neither Amelia nor Fred, their co-pilot. And so Gallagher found this out and discarded the bones, which prevented basically anyone else from analyzing from them, yeah. and, and getting DNA evidence. And, you know, upon further investigation, they were saying, well... <clears throat> It could have been a short, stocky man, or it also could have been a short fucking lady. <clears throat> so they were thinking that, well, maybe this fucking physician was just like, you know what? I don't want to fucking do this shit. I just lazily handed yeah. it here. Yeah. <clears throat> and so instead of saving the bones, they just fucking discarded them. So we won't actually know if that was their remains or not. What was interesting about that 
is that they actually did find a tool that was used to basically measure avi like, a, like an aviation tool. And so why the fuck would that be in this fucking random ass remote, remote, yeah, remote island. island along with human bones right next to it? So that was like the most um, evident theory. Another one is that... Another one. Another one. Another one. Another theory is that uh, that was proposed by a retired <laughs> U.S. Air Force uh, colonel who said that Emilia was actually a U.S. spy and had to do an emergency landing instead in the Marshall Islands just north of the... And apparently, the locals there, honest to God, still to this day, or I mean, the ones up to that point, um, believe that Amelia did in fact freaking land in that island. That, that she did. That she did. And uh, apparently it was under seas control by the Japanese. And so what happened was they landed and the Japanese were under control and held both her and Fred hostage until the release by the end of the World War. When they returned to the U.S., Apparently, they were giving, uh, they were granted new names and a new identity. And it's theorized that Amelia lived the rest of her life in New Jersey with the name of Irene Bolum. But the funny thing is that the act that there was actually a person by the name, by that name, Irene Bolum, living in New Jersey, New Jersey, who actually sued the book company that mentioned this theory, saying that she was Amelia Earhart. She was. Yeah. No. But she wasn't. Yeah. No. Well, the book company is saying that. Well, it's Irene Bolum. You know, she she's, yeah. she actually changed her name because she's a U.S. spy and blah, blah, blah. But the but real the, Irene. But the real Irene Bolin was like, what the fuck? No, I'm not. And so she just fucking sued the company. And so once they started seeing, like, you know, this person and then referencing it to her the old photos, they're just like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. There's I don't see the connection. <laughs> All right, the jig you know is up. Yeah. And then, like, a side theory to this one is that they actually never made it out of life and were taken... Uh, hostage by the Japanese and were killed off and that they actually found evidence of their plane there in that in that campsite but I mean like Moses said there's so many fucking theories they're just a short amount you can literally go into you know referencing Atlantis into referencing the aliens like it, yeah. it's such an open book that there's so many things that you could just plug and fit because <clears throat> basically it's just they disappeared. They dis just disappeared. Yeah. yeah. Which can be true because what? The Japanese didn't take any POWs at that time? They didn't believe in POWs, I think. Yeah. So whoever they captured killed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, wasn't it just recently, like a few years ago, there was like these new, this new immediate this, Earnhardt evidence yeah. about a picture, yeah, yeah, yeah. her on the dock, and yeah, like, no, yeah. it's the, the documentary really? said, like, recently? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, they found this photo and they're like, bro, that's her. And that's him. Like they're they're right there. They're like in this dock, and they're carrying a plane. What seems to be like a plane. That yeah. it's like a crash plane. And they're docking it, and like they're yeah. they're dragging it in the water. So someone took a picture from far away, and it's a picture of a million R. Where at? Like she's like kneeling, like literally, like if if like you're in a docking area where the boats are, yeah, yeah. like right at the edge, right before you get on the boat, they're there, and there's they're saying that the person that was standing up to the left was Fred, and the person that was kind of like like kneeling down. Looking at the water with, like the back, back again uh, turned to the camera, was Emilia Earhart. But this photo was actually debunked. Mm. Yeah, because you're teasing me, bro. Yeah, because they're saying that this this the original uh, place of this photo 
is actually from like this kind of like Japanese magazine or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was like years before the crash even happened. They, there's that one. There's this infamous picture where some people, uh, they're flying around the island, and I guess <coughs> they, I guess, uh, it's still like the island, whatever. It like, they, it's like it's there's a slope or what? It, there's a slope to it that yeah. goes into the you know that goes into the into the ocean. Yeah. Uh-huh. And in that slope, you can see Emilia's plane, and there's a picture where like part of it is still sticking out to this day. It's nothing wet. but wet. Just wet. Wet and death. Yeah. But that is uh, my two just kind of fucking random ass disappearances of two very famous people. So this was like four, like four or five years ago, right? Okay. So it was me and this, uh, me and um, an ex-girlfriend. We were at the mall. We're walking. It's, it's almost closing time. There's no, there's nobody there. We're at Cerritos Mall. We're walking to the entrance, and some and someone runs out from the corner, and we both freak out. We both freak out. And we're like, "Holy shit, that's fucking Drake!" We for us for like. Four seconds, we thought we saw Drake because this dude was running toward us, and he was just running. Yeah, he looked identical to Drake. Like to this day, I could say like, I saw Drake. I, I, I fucking sweet fucking saw Drake. Freaking and Moses yells out Drake, and you just hear my all my exes live in Texas. Yeah, well, well, you know, um, uh, my uh, my girlfriend, the t- my girlfriend, she freaked out the most. She gripped it to my arm. She believed, bro. She was getting ready to pass out because we saw 100%. Yeah, oh. she fucking gripped me. And then as he passed right next to us, you're like, all right, you could tell it wasn't him. Yeah, but he it had to be like he got real close to us, like yeah, yeah. closer than what you guys are to me. Yeah, we're like, oh, shit, all right, it's not him. But it took her a while for her to come down. She's like, I thought I fucking saw Drake. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, I mean, it's our fucking fault for thinking he's a fucking Cerritos, but he's fucking Cerritos mall on a Tuesday night, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what the fuck's he doing in fucking Cerritos? But you know, that's what. I'm gonna be talking about doppelgangers. You know what I mean? Ooh. Like that's what we thought we saw. We uh, we could I if you wouldn't I could have sworn if he wouldn't have walked past me and I wouldn't have noticed because he had yeah. tattoos on his neck. Yeah. That's one of the biggest giveaways. Oh, okay. But we were like, if if you wouldn't if you would have kept running or walked into a store or something, or I would I would like all right yeah I fucking I I saw him. Yeah. I saw fucking Drake on a Tuesday night in fucking Cerritos Mall, dude. And that was like a game that we all played. We're like, yeah, yeah. Well, where, where? I think we used to play that a lot in Disney. No, well, the few times we've gone where I played that game with celebrity lookalike was at uh, <laughs> celebrity <laughs> lookalike. Yeah, you guys yeah, played that. Yeah, uh, Hollywood Horror Nights. Uh, we would all go in big yeah. groups. We're like, oh look, this person looks like that. And then if someone's iffy, I, like we call a judge. Or judge. Someone, yeah, so someone else would be like, well, what happened? Does that look like that individual? I could see it. All right, cool. Yeah. I'll give you the point. Yeah, you know what I mean? So that's how we, you know, that's how we do it. Uh, yeah. So doppelganger. That's gonna, you know, that's what I'm gonna be talking about. Yeah. And for those of you that do not know what a doppelganger is, a Dumb doppelganger ass. is a double of a living person that is biologically unrelated. That are biologically related to one another. So it's two people that look alike and have no business looking alike. Like for example, some fa- some famous doppelgangers. That I have confused for years for one another are Natalie Portman and Kira Knightley. 
Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Those two. Bro. Same person. Katy Perry. Zoe Deschanel when she, when she, when she has her bangs. Bang bang moment. Yeah, and then Margot Robbie and Jamie Presley. I I still I showed you guys all those years. We're like, yeah, mm. but for the, Jamie Presley, she's famous for uh, playing Joe and you know from Joe Dirt. Yeah. To me, both those are the Margot Robbie and Jamie Presley. Those are the fucking ones. That I'm like, I can't. You know, you know what? I, I, I have some trouble telling him apart. I, I I am so surprised that you did not talk about Will Ferrell. And the drummer from Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're right. I should. I should have. I bro, fucking should have. I, I spaced. Um, if you guys want to know more, if you guys want to see more examples of weird, like weirdly, like ridiculously, like stupid doppelgangers, go on their Instagram. Weird history. Here he tells Pop. Where I posted a Robin Williams one. Yeah, oh, that that will trip. <clears throat> the fucking uh, Macaulay Culkin and um, uh, fucking Putin. <laughs> yeah. And fucking Putin. And Conan O'Brien was like some random oh, soldier. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's, it's not all fun in games when it comes to doppelgangers. Because seeing your own doppelganger is sometimes seen as a visual foretelling of your imminent death. What? Cultures have said that seeing your own doppelganger is literally your soul embodied presenting itself to you. As a warning that you are about to die. So what? If, if you see your own doppelganger, some old culture said, that is your spirit that has left your body telling you you are about to die. Oh, hell no. And uh, I mean, that's a two-way street, right? I was going to say. Because then but you saw his me. doppelganger's, you know, I'm probably the doppelganger of that guy. <laughs> you see so we're both fucked. You see him and you're just like, fucking Rochambeau. <laughs> Let's see who goes out first, motherfucker. So, you know, here are a few examples, you know, throughout of, you know, that were peppered throughout history of people seeing their own doppelgangers. Queen Elizabeth I, she saw herself lying on her bed as she was walking through her palace a few days before she died. She was walking through her palace. She walked to a room. She's like, what the fuck? And she saw herself lying on the bed, pale and stiff. She's like, what the fuck? And she kept walking and asked for help. And then she was gone. And a few days later, GG. She died. Abraham Lincoln. He claimed that he had seen his doppelganger prior to him getting got, getting shot. Catherine the Great, Russia's longest running female leader. This was in the 1700s. She saw her own doppelganger. And like a fucking savage Russian that she was, she ordered her soldiers to shoot at it. She's like, does that look like me? Fucking fire. And the soldiers just started shooting at a doppelganger. Doppelgangers, they have also been tied to witches because they were able to project their own doubles and set them loose to fuck shit up. And because of this, a dick load of innocent women were executed as witches, even though they could prove that they were somewhere else where from where the crime they were accused of committing took place, so you could be in a fucking two in a two villages, three miles away, yeah. getting married, and so and someone's horse and fucking cow died over here, and they say they saw you. All they have to do is accuse you of being a witch, even though you had a wedding, and hundreds of people around you. She's, like, She's a witch. Oh, but you know, well, you know what? That makes sense because witches are able to make copies of themselves. Jeez. All right, kill her, and that happened. A lot. There's also an old Halloween custom that claims if a young girl 
lights two candles before a mirror while eating an apple, she will see in the mirror the ghostly image of her future husband staring back at her as if from over her shoulders, right? That's how she's able to see who she's going to marry. Being a creep. Now, the fucked up thing is, because of this image, now she created her doppelganger. So what she has to do is in the middle of the night, go to her nearest graveyard and walk all around it with that same candle until the candle goes out. And that's how she gets rid of her doppelganger. Because if she doesn't, then she just created a doppelganger and a doppelganger is going to fuck shit up for her. Fuck it up. Doppelgangers, they're also called by different names. In England, they are called fetch. Why? Because the double has come to fetch you to death. That's the same when it comes to doppelgangers, so fetch is what they call them. The Egyptians, these fucking brilliant people, they even dealt with doppelgangers, but but though they called them ka. And after dying, their double would be in the tomb with the corpse while the soul went to the underworld. A part of the tomb was called their house, and it was it was specifically made for this doppelganger, where it had, where it had food and drinks. Like they believed in a double, where like every soul, every person has a double. That when you die, your double comes out. Double protects the body while your soul goes off and goes into the underworld and see if they make it to wherever they're supposed to make it. But doppelgangers aren't without their own fair share of superstitions either. One superstition is that they give dick advice. They give dick advice. How dick, bro? And no, I don't mean dick advice like the uh, shit we were talking about the other day where that for every 15 to 30 pounds you lose, the dude gains about half an inch of dick. Right? <laughs> that, that That's not the kind of dick advice I'm talking about. The dick advice I'm talking about is that they give you bad advice Get on purpose. <laughs> Learn how to use measuring tape. Be a man. Measure so, your dick. Measure your dick. <laughs> My bad, Moses. So remember, <laughs> the doppelgangers are usually seen as the bad twin. So these malicious, tyrannical sluts will try to advise you in the worst possible way by also trying to implant horrible ideas into one's mind. Other superstitions are that if someone else sees your doppelganger, it means you might be sick as shit. Or that a doppelganger is basically the spirit of you from a past life. Okay. This superstition is brought to us by the fucking Vikings. The Norse called them the the, the Vardogits, and they were basically reverse deja vus. You know how deja vus is you 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 see or do something that you've seen before. Okay. Well, the their version of a double is the reverse deja vu, where they're doing something that you've seen or done before, which is weird, like a weird thing. But you know, Native Americans they also had the doppelgangers, and it said that a doppelganger. They said that the doppelganger was your evil twin from the underworld. Damn. Native American myths say that there is an upper and an underworld. The good people living on the upper world and the shitty, ugly, nasty, baby dick energy, non-tipping, ugly people, they stay in the underworld. So here are two cases of encountering one's doppelganger. 
The first one, Peter Brugger was a PhD student in neuropsychology in Switzerland. And his whole thing while he was a student is that he was interested in scientific explanations to paranormal experiences. So one day he was sent this 21 year old. This 21 year old almost killed himself when he came face to face with his doppelganger. So the story goes that this started shortly after the 20, 21 year old stopped taking his anti-convulsant medication. So his anti-seizure medications. Mm. So one day he decided to drink a few cold ones and decided, you know what? I'm not going to go to work. I'm just going to call in and just sleep this hangover away. While he, while he was in bed, he felt dizzy and he stood up. But when he stood up, he turned around and he saw himself lying on his bed. He was still in his drunken haze, so he tried waking himself up. He jumped on top of himself, screamed, slapped, started pulling, but nothing, nothing couldn't wake this guy up. And then things got weirder when as he was pulling, he suddenly then became the man on the bed. And then he saw himself being pulled by his doppelganger. So, and so he saw himself being pulled by his doppelganger, screaming at himself. And that's when he realized that his awareness was shifting from body to body. So now he started to freak out. Who was the real me? He was thinking, is it the man in the bed or the man standing up? He got so scared and so confused that he couldn't bear seeing himself any longer and just jumped out his window. What? He jumped out his window on the from the fourth floor, but luckily he landed on a large bush that broke his fall. The 21-year-old, the 21-year-old told Brueger that he wasn't trying to kill himself. He said he had jumped only to find a match between himself and his body. He's like, I needed to figure out who the fuck I was. Either if I was a standing one, if I jumped out the window, then I know that's me. <laughs> but if not, then I'm the one who's sleeping because he scared himself and he freaked himself out. Who am I? And he just fucking jumped out the window. I need answers. I'm going to jump out of a fucking window. If I die, well... well <laughs> At least you're right. <laughs> well, luckily for him, while he was getting treatments for his fall, they found a tumor on his left temporal lobe which they removed. And it Ooh, so that was a fucking sign. Diversion, so, motherfuckers. So that cleared his that cleared his seizures, and he never saw his doppelganger ever what? again. And that um, that story is from a um, it's from a BBC article that I'm gonna post on the show notes. Ooh. Yeah, that article is fucking amazing, and it breaks down doppelgangers to neuropsychology to shit that you see that shit that's going on in your mind. It's a fucking amazing read. And in that article, they have um, a case where a doctor is shocking his patient, like shocking her brain. Mm. I forgot what it's called when he said electroshock wave or electroshock therapy or something. Shock therapy. Right? And every time he does it, he does it to induce her seeing her own doppelganger. So he's able to control what she sees and how she sees it through like weird yeah, shocking. That's fucked up. But it, was, but it was a clinical trial, and um, yeah, that article is amazing. So, if you just want to read that one? Just go on, you know, on the um, episode show notes. Now the la- now the last story I got from Reddit, right? This is about a doppelganger. Oh, must be true. Must be true. 
So it goes red, something red. like this. Again, if you guys want to read the whole thread or people commenting on it or whatever, try yeah. to see the username, go to the episode show notes and I'll post the link there. So the story goes like this. Hi. I didn't know about this website until a friend introduced it to me. I've never considered creating an account since it's not necessary for a reader. But that has changed tonight. I'm here to tell you a story. Don't expect much. Compared to others, the things that happen to me are nothing. But I still want to share it anyway. I'll keep it short. And sorry for any grammatical errors you might spot. English isn't my mother tongue. So this happened a few years ago when I was in college. Our school wasn't big or well known. It had two branches. The main one, where they taught kids from nursery to grade 6, was located beside the road. And the other, we called it Annex, was located two blocks from it. The Annex was where I studied. It had two buildings, one for high school students and one for college students. The high school department was packed with students. It was almost always noisy. Our building, on the other hand, was gloomy and there were very few students, like only five to 10 people in a class. If you were lucky, there were about 20. Our hallways were quiet. There were rooms that were never occupied since no one was using those rooms, the lights were off. And at night I found that, and at night I found that really disturbing because I walked through dimly lit corridors while my footsteps echoed. I know our school didn't seem like what a school should be, but hey, my tuition was free, I was a scholar and only needed to maintain good grades, and the place was just 10 minutes from home. I had no reason to complain. Anyway, while I was waiting for my next class, I got bored or whatever or whatever I was doing and decided to go to the fourth floor. As I was walking up the stairs, I saw my English teacher wearing an orange outfit coming down, so I stopped her and I smiled at her. Good afternoon, ma'am. I expected her to reply, but she didn't. She didn't even smile or acknowledge me. She just continued to walk down the stairs. She passed by me without sparing me a glance. I became worried. Maybe she was angry at me? But for what? I hadn't done anything bad to her. So I decided to try and catch her attention again. Ma'am, are you okay? No response. It was like she didn't hear me. I frowned. She didn't seem like herself. It was weird. But wasn't weird enough for me to keep thinking, so I just shrugged it off and kept doing my own thing. When I passed by the faculty room, I heard a familiar voice. It was so loud and clear that there was no way I could have mistaken it. It was the voice of my English teacher. So I went into the faculty room and found my English teacher behind the desk, telling some random story to my classmate who sat directly in front of her. When she saw me, she smiled and greeted me. You could imagine my confusion at this point. I just saw her a few minutes ago. She went down. I just saw her a few minutes ago. She went down. How come she was here? Ma'am, didn't you go downstairs a while ago? She seemed surprised with the question, but answered anyways. She's like, no, why do you ask? My mind was thinking for a larger explanation, but couldn't find any. Uh, I just saw you a few minutes ago. You were taking the stairs. I greeted you, but you ignored me. She frowned. I've been here the whole time. Oh, okay. It's weird. I swear I saw you. This time, my classmate spoke up. Yeah, man, we've been here for an hour, at least. Nobody's left the room. That's when I noticed her clothes. The one I saw at the stairs was wearing an orange outfit. The one in front of me was wearing brown. 
A sense of dread surged through me. I asked the most obvious question. And who was the woman I saw? But then I knew the answer to that myself. I had heard stories about these creatures. I just never thought I'd encounter one. Especially in broad daylight. A doppelganger. This creature copies a person's appearance and it said that once you see your doppelganger, you'll die. I don't know if it's true. I don't ever want to find out. My teacher freaked out and we spent the afternoon waiting for the fake English teacher to show up, but it never did. Pretty soon this little incident was forgotten and I thought that that was the last time I'd encounter something like that. Well, I was wrong. The next incident happened a few months after the first. Again, I saw a nursery teacher I was rather fond of standing at the guardhouse. Let's call her Teacher Marie. It was pretty late already, so I was wondering why she was still at school. So I called her, she didn't respond, she didn't even seem to hear me. I called again, nope, I was invisible. I figured she was just tired and wasn't in the mood to have a chat. I went inside the library and saw Hannah. She, went as a, she was an assistant teacher who used to be a college acquaintance and was close friends with Teacher Marie. I casually approached her and asked. Hey, I saw Teacher Marie at the guardhouse. Is she waiting for you so that you two can go home together? She seems tired and I think she'll appreciate it if you hurry. She raised an eyebrow. Really? I thought she went home already. Then she gathered the things and left the library. A few, a few minutes later, she returned. She's not there, she said. Oh, maybe she got tired of waiting and left. No, she was never there. I frowned and closed the book I was planning to read. What do you mean she was never there? I saw her. Ask the guard. I already did. You didn't see Teacher Marie. Are you sure it was her? Her face was dead serious. I'm sure, I said. It was definitely her. I called her, but she never looked back. Shit, she cursed. You're scaring me. She picked up her phone, dialed Teacher Marie's from the phone number, and told her what I saw. It was a brief conversation that ended with a, just be careful. Days went by, I hadn't seen the doppelganger again, and I assumed that was the end of it. I wasn't really that scared, but I didn't mean I was eager to repeat the experience. One afternoon, as I was chilling out, a classmate of mine approached me and said, Whoa, how'd you get here so fast? Naturally, I was confused. What do you mean? Well, I saw you at the other end of the building a few minutes ago. When I think of it, you seemed a little off. I called you several times, but you just ignored me. Something wrong? I froze. I felt my heart beat accelerate. Tina, I said slowly, I've been here since lunch. The person you saw isn't me. She shook her head. No, it's definitely you. It was definitely you. You had the same hair and everything. My blood ran cold. I swear it wasn't me. Her mouth hung open. Then who? She stopped right there. She didn't need to ask. She knew the answer already. She heard stories about the creature that went around copying people's faces and the horror that would befall on the ones who unfortunately laid eyes on it. My English teacher didn't see it. Teacher Marie didn't either. Now it was my turn. And I wished I wouldn't have either. So that... Basically, that little horror story kind of leads with that myth where if someone else sees your doppelganger, you dead. It means that you no. Remember, if no. you see your doppelganger, it means you're, you're about to die. Yeah. yeah. Someone sees your doppelganger, you're it means sick. You're fucking sick. And he was sick in the fucking head. Well, apparently. To, well, to the point that you die. 
That's a good question. I don't know, but maybe. Yeah, so doppelgangers, fuck them. Fuck them? Fuck them. So I'm glad I haven't seen any of mine in person. <laughs> oh, we seen your fucking doppelgangers. We've seen them everywhere. In person? Nah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'll, you I'll guys were telling me earlier that actually, that apparently you have a lot of doppelgangers. Apparently, you have a fuck ton. Apparently, I got a lot. It's probably the glasses and the beard. It's, it's a classic look. It's a it's a classic look. I guess. <laughs> I guess that's a classic look. Yeah, but I remember there's from all the, I remember two photos. There is one because back in the day I used to wear this fucking Urban Outfitters ass tank top and. A black and green curly hat and there's a dude that I, I don't know who fucking found this photo <laughs> but someone found a photo of this dude like just chilling on top of his car literally the same wardrobe that I would wear and looked exactly the same as me and I have a beard at that time I had my fucking plugs on and they're like it was fucking twin you and then another one when I started growing my beard was this dude at a park and someone did like the whole like, you know, when you have like a photo or with like an uh, an item that looks super huge, but it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. your perspective of, of, of how you place how? it. It was like a, a quote unquote big fucking Pepsi can. And this guy that looked like me was like leaning far back as if he was taking a sip from the Pepsi can. <laughs> and then that one looked exactly like me. So even you admit that one. Even I admitted it. You're I like, was like, you're like oh, shit, that is me. When did I take this photo? When the fuck did I take this picture? <laughs> you know what it is, too? You are a very, very specific shade of brown. I am. You're not dark, but you're, you're like more caramel than brown, right? Caramel. Caramel. So your brown is kind of specific. So when we see that type, that 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 shade of brown, we're probably like, oh, Achi. We automatically yeah. like, oh, that, that, that's Achi. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I'm. That's what I'm. That's my theory, man. I was hoping to see my old doppelganger or some shit until I hear this bullshit. If I see myself, I'm going to die, motherfucker. I hope I never Don't see you. <laughs> Just fucking punch him in the dick. All right. Last but not least, we have two characters. Um, they go by the name of Archimedes. Archimedes. No. <clears throat> he gave the introduction to Archimedes. But like I said, two characters. Go by the name of Archimedes and Count Cagliostro. Now, starting off with Archimedes, he is known well for his uh, being a great mathematician and scientist of all time. Born in Greek state of Syracuse in the year 287 BC. <clears throat> so Archimedes, he's known as being this great mathematician and all that. But what makes him so mysterious or powerful, you say? Well, it's not just his mathematics and his uh, work of arithmetic or geometry it's actually the creations and the inventions he created for the reason to prove his mathematical and mechanical theories and these creations were used for military devices now archimedes will utilize these inventions when they're getting attacked by the romans now the first device that actually drew the picture of him being such a powerful man was known as the Archimedes Claw, which was a device used to demonstrate the power of leverage. Archimedes used long ropes affixed to a ship to tip over with minimal force. Now, this is what, this is why people assume this was so 
so amazing. One, because a creation like this was never invented. So when the Romans first tried, you know, landing and, and, and attack Syracuse, they will see ships just getting flipped over easily and immediately. At one point, some Roman soldier would state, well, are we battling against the gods? It wasn't until their defeat, blah, 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 and they realized, all right, this man, known as Archimedes, created this dimension and was the reason why these ships fell. But there was, only, but there was other devices and inventions uh, Archimedes utilized to trick the mind of Roman that they were battling the gods. So the first one, we have what's known as Archimedes' Claw, which I just described. And next, we have what he utilized known as a burning mirror. Now, <clears throat> Syracuse utilized the heat of the sun at Roman ships, setting them ablaze. Now, this invention was dubious. They were like, okay, maybe he didn't create such a thing. But many modern historians and scientists consider, again, this dubious. However, a team of Massachusetts a team of Massachusetts Institute of Technology engineer students were successful in replicating this feature or this feat of setting blaze, uh, setting ship ablaze using only mirrors in the 2005 set test, lending possibility to the legend that Archimedes invented a death ray using mirrors. Whoa. So imagine being Roman, knowing nothing about these inventions, then you see your ships just flying across, and then you see ships just burning, getting set ablaze from other sections of the war field or or or, or yeah. war so now you can tell why these romans were so confused and they were like whoa are we fighting against fucking gods yo you said this was a piece of cake <laughs> tell them i'd be back in two weeks and then up next last but not least his other invention known as a steam cannon now, some historians suggest that the cannon again allegedly used rapidly heat steam to propel a projectile Right, may have been the actual device which caused the fires um, attributed to the death ray. They suggest it is possible that Archimedes used such a device to fire hollow clay projectiles filled with incendiary hollow clay projectiles filled with incendiary to set the ships ablaze. The year after the successful attempt to construct the death ray, the MIT engineering students also successfully tested the steam cannon's feasibility using a design similar to the one of art meetings. So it's basically okay. he invented the missile. Yeah, exactly. Before Jesus Christ was Before born. Before Jesus Christ was created. Jesus Christ. He created what's known as a steam cannon. So again, going back to the perspective of a Roman, you see ships getting fucking tossed around, ships getting ablaze when trying to land their ships. And then from afar, you see this Bro. projectile flying towards other ships and... Fucking shit. We're over, my parents are over here worshiping Jesus Christ, who turned water into wine and got bread and fed a hundred people. Archimedes is over here blasting fools with death rays, using ropes to flip boats over and shooting missiles. Blah, blah. Like three hundred years before the cross was invented. Before any of this shit was invented. Again, keep in mind, he created these devices, these devices to prove his mathematical. You don't think I'm a fucking genius? Watch this! He, five minutes later, he's shooting blasting fuels <laughs> of death rays. Exactly. Now, till this day, his principles and his theories are utilized to this day. Even his his device known as uh, Archimedes screws, which looks like a drill, but it's used as a as a pipe, where like it drills in, and if there's any water, it'll suck the water out the more you turn. 
So if there's any deep water, it will just suck the water out, which is still used to this day. They fucking killed Jesus Christ because he healed a blind person. He said he healed a blind person. This dude's over here taking water with pipes and just throwing ships and... Yeah. Finally, the Romans finally conquered them. Oh, the and Romans ended up winning. Oh, no, so well, no, well, later on, of oh. course. Yeah. But um, <laughs> the Roman general's like, hey, yeah. by any chance, remember a few hundred years ago when you guys blasted us with fire? No, no, no. They they lost. Syracuse lost. Oh, that's it. Uh, eventually. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, again. So uh, um, what's his face? Archimedes, he was 75 years of age when he um, when he lost. And then uh, Marcellus or the, the Roman. <laughs> the Roman king. general walks yeah, in. He's like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. Pretty he much, like, he, he, yo. Yeah, at what? the end, found out he was a creator of all these devices that were, you know, causing everyone to be like, "Well, fuck, who these the guys f- are God." He walks, yeah. he walks in. Who the fuck death raid me? Fuck. <laughs> who the fuck death raid me? Yeah, just pointing. So he summoned um, Archimedes, Ar- uh, Archimedes, and blasted him with his own and, missile. And, and, then, pew pew. and then he was, he was doing like his own project, or whatever. And uh, the soldier was, "Hey, you've been summoned. Let's go." And he's like, he's like, I'm, I'm gonna decline. I'm not going until I finish this. And then, out of frustration, right, the soldiers just slashed Archimedes, and he died. And the, there was a famous quote uh, that he's known for, um, which was, "Don't interfere with my circles," because he was drawing shit, oh. cylinder stuff on the circle. So right before he died, he told the soldier, "Don't hey. fuck with my, yeah, don't fuck with my, uh, hey, my the- work." Essentially, the Romans were pro- the Rome, the Roman, whoever, Marcellus, Marcellus, whatever. Yeah, he probably got lucky that his soldier took out what's his name, Archimedes. Archimedes, because remember, Archimedes did all this shit because no one believed in him, right? Imagine if he comes out, 75 year old dude with a walking stick, and the general's like, He's the one who did it, get the fuck out of here. Gee. This would have been like, Oh, yeah, motherfucker, would have gone into his room and created a fucking atom bomb. <laughs> he would have created a first machine gun 200 years before, 200 years before uh-huh. the Union had to use silver. And maybe for the Romans, too. He would have used it on the Romans. And then he would have became king. And then no one would have believed in him. So then he would have created... He's 75! That's like a thousand. That's a thousand. Would you believe in a thousand-year-old man? See? Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Right? The, he, he lets you know he saw aliens. Would you believe him? I'm taking that ass out. Take his ass out. You can take laser. his ass out, bro. Yeah, laser him. You gonna death ray everybody? I'm gonna death ray the fuck out of him. But yeah, that's the story of Archimedes. Again, he's more renowned in other aspects of he's the more mathematical and yeah. But I'm just uh, going around what made him mysterious in this perspective in this episode. Death ray the fuck out of yeah. his enemies. Yeah, he death rayed the fuck out of everyone. And last but not least, we have Count. Caliostro, also known. Well, actually, that's his alias. His born name, his actual name, was Giuseppe Balsamo. Yeah, I'm glad he chose an alias. And this guy, he's an alchemist, a swindler. And how you describe him, Moses? How did you describe him? He was, the, he was Eddie Guerrero he before Eddie Ed, Guerrero. Before Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero before. And what did he do? Exactly, and that, Jeez. and this is essentially this guy. It's said to be the last of the real European sorcerers, the infamous Count 
Alessandro, that's his actual He's other European? person. Mm-hmm. European. So he was Europe, he was European heat, and Eddie Guerrero was Latino heat. There <laughs> you go. Continue. And he was famous throughout Europe in the late 18th century as a mystic, magician, a Freemason, alchemist, and a healer with his wife, the young countess, Serafina. Kelly also traveled throughout Europe promoting his own brand of occult-based Freemasonry and selling elixirs and creams to extend life and preserve youth. He held seances and gave demonstrations of clairvoyance uh, for the rich and for the arrows, um, the aristocratic. As an alchemist, he claimed to be able to transmute lead and mercury to gold and silver, and he claimed to be able to teach others how to live long and healthy lives. Now, he was obsessed with this, or he was introduced of um, he was introduced to this field of expertise by the age of seventeen. Jesup exposed something that he would eventually alter his life. Again, this was a cult, and alchemy captured his attention. Alchemy was a belief that common metals can be transmuted into more precious metals. The practice had been around since medieval times, and it was still practiced by occultists and pseudoscientists of the 18th century. Jesup would eventually become very knowledgeable in this practice by the time he met a goldsmith or silversmith, some people say, named as Vince, um, Vincenzo Marano. Marano met many alchemists during um, during his travel to Palermo. However, young Jesup impressed the gullible man. In fact, Marano believed that Jesup could turn metal into gold. This motherfucker actually believed that. And the youngster was more willing to demonstrate his powers. However, seeing an opportunity, he asked Jesup asked Marano for 60 ounce, ounces of gold to conduct a magical ceremony that will reveal a hidden cache of treasure with, and I quote, immeasurable wealth. Morano relented and gave him the gold. However, Morano was fooled. At midnight, he was led to a field outside of Palermo, where he was jumped and robbed by one of the thugs Jesup had hired. After that night, Jesup did what he had done best up to that point. He ran away from Palermo. He cheated and stole. This moment would mark the last time the name Jesup Barsamo would be used. He was ultimately ultimately exposed by his enemies and authorities as truly being a Sicilian swindler named Balsamo on the run throughout Europe throughout Europe after being chased out of Parlamo as a youth by an irate goldsmith or silversmith, which was Murano. He just took his shit and then he had, he, had, he, had to get, he had to book it. Uh-huh. Yeah. They also said that he was a pimp <laughs> who also lived off his once virtuous young wife who encouraged and then blackmailed her suitors. Oh. Mm. He a renaissance man. <laughs> now in 1785, it all came crashing down. Accounts of Cagliostro's level of involvement Defer, but ultimately the cultists became tied to an incident in which a con artist convinced a cardinal to buy an enormously expensive diamond necklace on behalf of Marie Antoinette. Now, fun fact: uh, Cagliostro was very known 
in the realm of like nobles and rich people. So they knew of this guy. They knew who Cagliostro was. Cagliostro, not Ujisupi. And this is where his shit got fucked. So, uh, but ultimately, the occultists became tied to an incident in which a con artist convinced the cardinal to buy an enormous, expensive diamond necklace on behalf of Marie Antoinette. The con artist actually had the necklace sold in London and pocketed the profit. Cagliostro was arrested and imprisoned in the Bastille for nine months. And the Bastille for nine months. Though a trial cannot prove he had any part in the matter, the affair of the diamond necklace, as it became known, at, um, so soured the French public that many credit the scandal was contributing to what we know now as the French Revolution a few, few years later. So, the story of... Uh, <laughs> Of this he incident come, of Cagliostro, yes, yeah. So there was a part of saying that Cagliostro, also known as as a humanitarian as well, outside of him, him swindling and all this stuff, he did actual practice like healing and stuff like that. Which he opened his own free quote unquote clinics. Who helped? Who he helped thousands of people who couldn't get medical help. He will help. Like he was known for that as well. But he was also known as a swindler as well. So although he had a bad rep, he also had that side of him as well. So it's kind of like the. Like how the cartel is in Mexico. Like the government, everybody hate the cartel. But there are some towns that are like, hey, these motherfuckers are the only ones helping us out. They do way more shit than the all of y'all motherfuckers. Yeah. So when Cagliostro was released, his troubles were not over. A muckraker in London publicly, publicly accused him of being the Jesuppe Bossimo, which he was, with all his attempt, with all his attendant past crimes and scams. Cagliostro uh, noisily refuted the claims and earned a retraction. He then returned to Rome in 1789, but dispute, but despite attempting to earn a living with his usual menu of magic, medicine, and communing with spirits, the Inquisition sniffed him out again. He was arrested that December and sentenced to death as Giuseppe Barsamo for the crimes of Freemasonry, heresy, and magic. Serafina, meanwhile, was shuffled off to a convent. The Pope, however, commuted the execution to life imprisonment. After an attempt, after an attempt to escape from the Castel San Angelo near Rome, Cagliastro was sent to the fortress of San Leo in north of Italy. He died there on August 26, 1795, at the age of 52. And that is the story. Of Count Cagliastro, that alchemy swindling pimp ass. His whole life was just him running away. He was. God damn it. He ran so far away. And the thing that fucked him up was that he ended up coming back to Rome with his wife, just to like, you know what? I think I've been gone long enough. Let me do this shit. And bam, he got caught. Part two. Hey, that's fucking Jesuppe. Fuck. We've been waiting for you, motherfucker. He's like, fuck. <laughs> That's not me. Just be say what? What? See, Your Honor, it's him. <laughs> oh fuck! Just be say what? What? I knew it. Oh, Got fuck. him. R.I.P. Eddie Guerrero. But yeah, that is the end of today's episode, which is all about weird, mysterious, and magical people sprinkled throughout history. I wanted to do like a light episode, but I'm like, man, let's just talk about weirdos and just weird things. Kind of, you know, kind of, kind of keep it light. Doppelgangers. I didn't think they were as scary as they were until doing research. I was with you. I'm like, I want to see my own doppelganger. Not anymore. 
Not anymore. Yeah. Because yeah. for one, the freaking omen of death. I want to see what energy I give off, bro, in a group. Yeah. My, I know for a fact my doppelganger is gonna be the most evil and angry doppelganger of all time. For a fact, because I know he's mad as fuck. He's like, I could have been anybody's double, <laughs> but I'm this fuck's double. Angry, horrible. He's gonna be. That's what he's saying. That's what he's. He's looking out for me right now. He's. What mad, he's, he's mad. He mad because you look the way you look currently. Yeah, because the way you, I look, that's what. I, <laughs> I, me who controls how he. I, I determine. <laughs> I determine what he looks like. Oh boy. Damn. Hey, do you, no, no, no. I was gonna say. Do you think if I if I do something to myself, it happens to him? No, it's not. But yeah, um, uh, while I was doing research about doppelgangers, I've never seen it, but I gotta go see it. And then I was like, oh yeah, no shit, a movie Us, second movie after um, Get Out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, it's about that doppelgangers. That movie's a fucking trip, bro. That movie's about doppelgangers. Oh my gosh. And yeah, so if you guys want to watch more doppelganger shit, uh, so if you us, haven't seen it, yeah. Um, but yeah, if you if you guys. Again, I posted it on Instagram, Weird History, Evie Tells Podcast. Post on the comments who are some of your favorite doppelgangers. There's so many. There's Nicolas Cage's, Keanu Reeves. There's random ones. If you have a doppelganger, Show let us. It, yeah, let us know. Post on our Instagram and you know, or send it to us on a message, and we'll post it just so we could show you, just so we could see if you really do have a doppelganger, or if you're just trying to flatter yourself with like a print or something. <laughs> yeah. But again, if you guys want to see any of these pictures, more of this shit, follow us on Instagram. Weird History. Here he tells um, pod. pod. Again, um, if you guys want to see some of the videos that I was talking about earlier, the Reddit post, I mean, you guys can watch it, read it, read some of the other stories on uh, the episode show notes. At the bottom of, you know, when you guys, I, wherever you guys listen to us, just scroll up or whatever, just click on the links. And um, add us on Instagram, Weird History. Here it tells pod. And again, um, do you guys have anything else to add? No? Don't All right. Uh, that's a hard no. Also, congratulations to all of us because we've hit, we're over 120,000 downloads already. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Fucking nuts. It took us like fucking, what, four years to reach to reach 100,000 and it's been like a month two months we're at 20k already it's ridiculous Jeez. so yeah it's ridiculous so thanks to all you guys listening um again we have no, if nobody has anything else to add we are the weird history Eerie Tells Pop don't die so weird shit <laughs>